Do you feel like you're the only young person who cares about your Catholic faith? Do you look around at mass and only see silver foxes? We're Jake and Kathy, a young adult married couple, and we're here to tell you, you're not alone. That's why it's time to get Truth Pops. You're going to get a podcast designed specifically for you, a young adult Catholic in a pop culture world. The countdown is on for Truth Pop. We'll connect Christ into culture. At Sif Pop, we're your movie friends. And our friends really friends. If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sip Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by not just one writer this week, but many actually. See, we all write for SifPop.com, providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting related movie articles. So make sure you check out the website SifPop.com to keep up with those. Uh, on today's show, we're gonna ha- we won't actually have a coming attraction since Blake and I did a bunch last week for all, all the 2021 releases, uh, and we'll be able to talk more in depth about each of those as they're getting ready to release. We know a little bit more about each of those, as well as we see some of them that we didn't get a chance to talk about. But uh, for the SIF topic this week, we'll be talking about 2020 in film review since 2020 is now over. Well, you get to hear from many of our writers about their 2020 movie opinions. We also don't have a spinoff or a B-plot this week, so without further ado, let's just dive into it. So what I've asked each of our writers to do is I've asked them to give me a five-minute or less clip of their top five movies, and then with whatever time they have left, they can talk about whatever movie opinions they have. So if they want to be like, yeah, but I didn't get to talk about this movie, or I didn't get to talk about this moment, or this actor, this performance. And so we'll hear a little bit of that from each of our writers. Um, But a quick rundown, Uh, I'm just going in alphabetical order because that's the easiest way to do no favoritism, to do uh, just a way uh, for us to... Um, to be able to just truck through all of these in some sort of order. And since my name is AA, that means I go first, which is fine, but we're going to hear from me. Uh, Alex is returning. Alice, as well, is returning. Uh, Austin is coming back. Uh, Chantal is coming back. Um, Dexter will be joining us again. Evan, Frank, Jake. Uh, Jake is actually new. He's one of the new people that you'll hear from. Uh, hasn't been on the show yet. Um, Joe will be coming back. Uh, Joseph different uh, different person, uh, is is a new writer since the podcast started, so uh, we'll get to hear from him uh, a little bit today, and uh, as well as he's on the schedule for, for upcoming. Uh, Caleb we'll get to hear from again. Nash, again, is a new writer, uh, and then, of course, Rob Shane and Vincent will all be giving their stuff, and we've heard uh, from all of them, so that's kind of your lineup. So three new writers that we're going to hear from, uh, and most of our writers were able to get me something. Uh, some of them just had scheduling conflicts. It happens. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's how we're going to do that. So without further ado, I will give you my, uh, 2020 in review. And the way that I like to do this is not just a simple top five pick. Uh, you will get my top five in, in this, but uh, I like to give you, uh, so this is 2020. Uh, so I will give you 20 movie opinions that you didn't ask for about 2020 in film. And so last year I did 19 film opinions about 2019 movies and I did 18. So every year there's a new category added. Uh, they don't have to be the same categories, but they are, um, they, they are always a set number based off of the ending year. So next year will be 21, 2021 movie opinions. And I'm really uh, excited to give you mine this year because I saw 55 new releases in 2020. 20- 
20. So uh, with the with the caveats of I still have not seen Freaky, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, News of the World, Greenland, Promising Young Woman, One Night in Miami, Minari, as well as some other ones, but those were the ones I think really contended for one of my opinions uh, that I just didn't get around to yet, uh, but do plan on getting to around to soon. So here we go. Here are my, Aaron's, 20 2020 movie opinions that you didn't ask for. We're going to start here with a little bit of negatives. Uh, I only have a couple negatives, though, because I don't want to focus too much on those, but we will move towards positive and eventually my favorite movie of the year. My least liked movie of the year is Skin. This is a documentary on Hulu. Um, I talked about it with Robert briefly uh, on last time he was on, but this just was an excuse for them to show a compilation of nudity. Uh, it's not really explorative. It's not really learning anything. I really didn't like it um, at all. So there's that. Uh, most disappointing movie is Deathstroke, Knights, and Dragons. Um, I really wanted to like this because this is one of the coolest comic book characters of all time. Uh, and he's just been so underserved in the animation uh, world and the video game world. He's got some cool stories. He's a really cool character. Unfortunately, they just haven't been able to stick the landing with him just yet. Knights and Dragons is no exception. This is not a very good movie. Uh, the most frustrating movie for me was Mulan. Uh, this was most frustrating because this is a what I like to call a nothing movie, meaning there was no uh, emotion, passion, uh, anything special about this movie that made it stand out and frankly what it should be. So it's really frustrating when a movie has so much potential and completely falls on all of that. Uh, most forgettable. Now this is different because this is just a movie that when you ask me in 10 years and you mention this movie, but like, oh, I totally forgot that existed because it's very forgettable. I'm going with Project Power um, because I really wanted to like this movie and uh, and I just didn't. Um, I didn't connect to anything. I didn't really like uh, where the story was going. I wasn't a big fan of this movie. And more, you know, obviously Project Power is not my least favorite movie of the year, but I'm going to remember not liking Skin 10 years from now. I think Project Power is just good enough that I didn't like actively hate watch it or anything like that um, or actively... Um, you know, watch it without, you know, really loving it or or while really hating it. So um, I think it falls in the forgettable category. And one last negative, I'm going with uh, overrated movie. Uh, I'm going with Enola Holmes, which has a 91% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. I personally think this is about a 5 out of 10. Um, so I letterboxed IMDb and the audience. It's closer to like 60s, 70s, like high 60s, low 70s. Uh, that's a little bit closer, but I still think that's overrated. I don't think this is a very good movie. Um, so that is um, uh, my overrated pick for the year. Now, so many positives about this year. This is a really cool year for movie. Okay, so the movie that I think has the most potential to climb my list is Tenet. And Tenet I have at number five, actually. So that's really saying something. I just think I need more rewatches subtitles, uh, just lots of that. I think maybe in 10 years, this could be number one or number two or something like that. But as of now, it's number five. Uh, the movie that came out of nowhere for me this year was Palm Springs. So the idea for this category is last year I picked Peanut Butter Falcon, a movie that I don't think anybody had any idea was coming out, any idea was existing, and all of a sudden it just kind of appeared with a trailer, and a couple weeks later it released, and bam, like boom, I really loved Palm Springs. Um, uh, the funniest movie of the year to me is Borat's subsequent movie film. You say what you want about the movie, uh, but I really had a good time with this. Uh, you say what you want about the quality of it. It's I really, really, really love this movie. I think uh, that it's the funniest movie that I've seen all year. It made me belly laugh, especially um, the ending 
but of course this movie made me laugh throughout. I really, really, really loved it. Uh, the best documentary that I saw this year is called Totally Under Control. Uh, I saw this on Hulu recently. It's about the COVID pandemic, and this is remarkable for a couple reasons. One is it came out so quickly. Um, it came out in October, and it was about the COVID pandemic starting, and it's like it just really started in March. They cover all the way up until like late April. And so it was just fascinating. But also like it does a good job of not necessarily being an attack at the current presidential administration. And um, I, I had a lot of respect for that. I mean, it doesn't speak highly of them, but it wasn't just I'm a Trump hater and going to hate. And I, I just found that really respectful. Uh, to me, the best score of the year, I'm going to give this to Wonder Woman 1984, and here's why. I don't think any other score this year I remember anything about, uh, and if I do have one positive to say about Wonder Woman 1984, it's the score specifically in the flight sequences. Uh, I, I just really love um, this. Yeah, this would be the biggest positive I would say about that movie, and it's going to win uh, the best score for me this year. Now, Performer of the Year. Now, this is non-gendered, non-gendered, and what I do is I take into account all the films that a person has been in. Uh, per year, um, so it's not just best performance in a movie, but this is best performer of the year, uh, and so like last year, I gave it to Adam Driver because Marriage Story and Star Wars and the Report, so like he had the best year. Uh, Florence Pugh, you might say, had the best year last year, but I didn't see a lot of her movies then. Um, I'm going this year with Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, and it's primarily because Trial of Chicago Seven. I think he's the best part of that already superbly acted movie, uh, and I think that. He is the reason why Borat works. Uh, his mind, both behind the scenes and as the character, are the reason why that's so enjoyable. And I think that both of these movies were in my top four of the year. And there were several other actors that I'd seen several times, but were not anywhere near the top of my list. There we go. A surprise performance. This is a performance of somebody that typically I don't like or I don't expect much. And I found them to be actually really good in a movie. I'm going with Pete Davidson in The King of Staten Island. This was my third favorite movie of the year, which really surprised me, especially because I watched it last week when I was really just trying to run through all of these. Uh, I think Pete Davidson is really good in this movie. I'm really excited. I'm Consider me a Pete Davidson fan from now on. I'm going with the best villain of the movie now normally you know with with when you have comic book movies or you have like 007 movies like this is a little bit easier to pick uh, but there's not too many like that that I saw this year there's not really any memorable villains and I almost went with the invisible man but as I thought about it I really think that Ruben from the sound of metal is the best villain because he is the villain in his own story I mean he's not intentionally but he is the antagonist he is the thing that is constantly pushing him in a negative direction. And I think that's one of the things that I really loved most about that movie is that Ruben is such a broken, flawed character. Uh, he might even be called a villain. So I'm going with Ruben from The Sound of Metal. A best animated movie is going to Soul. A uh, couple contenders would be Onward and Windwalkers. Uh, I just think that um, while Soul didn't hit me on an emotional level like Onward did, and I think the animation was, uh, was just excellent in all three of these movies. Um, there's something about Soul and there's something about the deepness of that movie um, that I think, uh, especially five years from now, this will be a clear frontrunner for me. Uh, best horror or thriller movie. Now, this is kind of a caveat. If you would consider Tenet a thriller, then Tenet would be it, but I really don't. I would probably just consider that action. So for best horror or thriller movie, I'm going with Possessor. Uh, it's a little gory. It's a little violent. So if you don't really like some of that stuff, um, this is all. This is what you would call hyper light, hyper stylized um, violence, and uh, it's not enough that threw me off. I think this is a fascinating concept, really well acted movie. Uh, I 
I quite liked it a lot. Uh, best feel-good movie of the year. This is a movie that uh, you could just throw on at any time, not have to think about it, uh, and it'll just make you feel good. I'm going with Bill and Ted Face the Music because I really liked this movie. Unashamedly, the ending definitely uh, made me tear up a little bit. I don't know why a Bill and Ted movie made me cry, but it did, and we're moving on. So um, best feel-good movie is Bill and Ted Face the Music. Um all right, so on to the best scene I have for the year. So the best scene to me would be the ending of the, trial, the trial of the Chicago 7. Uh, now, this isn't actually historical fiction, uh, but I think for the movie it works perfectly. I think uh, it's a very powerful scene, although it's really predictable. You can kind of see it coming from a mile away. Uh, but it, 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 it just perfectly summarizes everything that the movie was going for. And it's just something that's really special and is really going to stick with me and has stuck with me. Um, but will continue to stick with me for a long time. The best moment, I'm also going for the trial of Chicago 7. It's the moment where uh, there's a the person who is being accused of being racist, and then essentially he says to the effect, I'm trying to be vague with characters, uh, but he says to the extent of something like, if, if you were calling me racist, uh, then I am the first person in history, or you would be the first person in history to do so. And then there's a secondary character that says, then let me be the second. And I, I think it's such a powerful moment, especially because that character didn't really have much to do up until that point. Um, but it really kind of gives him a sense of purpose and a sense of being and just a sense of he's finally starting to become more like uh, some of the other characters uh, that he uh, pairs along with. And so uh, I, I think it's a really powerful moment. And it's, it's the perfect, uh, again, kind of encapsulation of what happened right before it. Uh, and the mistreatment of of a person of color in in the courtroom, and I just I just think it's such a powerful moment. It's one of those moments you just look at and you're just like, oh damn! But um, anyway, that's the what I think is the best moment of the year for me. Uh, and then for best movie and favorite movie, now these are two different categories. Uh, and so like last year I said that I think Knives Out is the best movie, but Avengers Endgame is my favorite movie because I'm able to separate uh, what I think is the best crafted movie versus what is my favorite movie. And sometimes I may not even like the best movie. I mean, typically I want to uh, and I will pick. Uh, but you know, sometimes like, you can recognize greatness in things that you don't particularly like. Uh, but and sometimes your favorite thing may not be the best thing. Uh, I mean, I've already kind of uh, talked about my love for for Borat's subsequent movie film. Now, luckily, Borat. Well, not luckily, but uh, Borat's subsequent movie film is not my best or uh, favorite movie of the year. Uh, they are both going to the Trial of Chicago Seven as well. And uh, I am actually having to re-record this because. I decided um, I was going to make Trial of Chicago 7 the best movie of the year. That was always uh, the case for me. But I decided I think I like Palm Springs more. And I would make that my favorite movie. And um, then I rewatched Trial of Chicago 7 tonight. And nope, it's Trial of Chicago 7. I love Palm... These are so close, though. These are razor blade thin. Uh, I, I actually have both of these on my favorite movies of all time list. I have Trial of Chicago 7 at 35 and Palm Springs at 37. Uh, and it's there, so they're right there. Uh, I think these are. Uh, ask me again tomorrow, and it might be Palm Springs. But for right now, as of this recording, as of this release, I'm going with the Trial of Chicago Seven. It is both my best and uh, my favorite movie this year. So a brief recap for you: I have uh, least like Skin, most disappointed, Deathstroke, most frustrating, Mulan, most forgettable, Project Power, most overrated, uh, Enola Holmes movie. I think has the potential to climb my list. It's Tenet. Came out of nowhere is Palm Springs. Funniest is Borat subsequent movie film. Best documentary is Totally Under Control. Best score is Wonder Woman 1984. Performer of the year is Sasha Baron Cohen. 
the surprise performance was Pete Davidson. Best villain was Ruben from The Sound of Metal. Best animated is Soul. Best horror thriller is Possessor. Best feel-good movie is the film Ted Face the Music. Best scene is the ending of The Trial of Chicago 7. Best moment is Then Let Me Be the Second in The Trial of Chicago 7. And best movie and my favorite movie are both The Trial of the Chicago 7. Uh, my top five movies of the year, five being Tenet, four being Borat's subsequent movie film, three being The King of Staten Island, two being Palm Springs, and one being The Trial of the Chicago 7. But that's all just my opinions. Uh, you are obviously feel free to disagree with me, and as we'll see, a lot of the other hip-hop writers disagree with me. Uh, but let's just go ahead and get into it. So uh, Alex is going to kick us off. Like I said, we're going in alphabetical order. There'll be a small uh, segment uh, in in between each one just to give you a little bit of a cue of a new uh, writer starting. So I'll pass it on to my fellow writers and let them take it away. Hello everyone, it is Sip Pop writer Alex here giving you my top 5 movies of 2020. Just gonna go ahead and jump right on into it, so uh, let's start at number 5. At number 5 I've got Bill and Ted Face the Music. They look like they had a lot of fun making this movie. It's nice seeing these characters back and bringing them to modern day and getting to have another little adventure with them. You'd be too worried, honestly, if a sequel like this came out a long time after the original, but I really do think that it holds up, and I'm proud of what they were able to accomplish with it being a sequel that was this way later in the game, so good on them. At number four, I've got Borat's subsequent movie film, or as I like to just call it, Borat 2. Uh, Sasha Perry Cohen as Borat makes me laugh every time. Uh, him and his daughter, uh, some stuff worked, some stuff didn't, but for the most part, she did fantastic, and I can't wait to see more of her. If you somehow haven't gotten around to seeing Borat 2, it's on Prime. Go check it out. At number 3, I've got Pixar's Soul. I haven't seen a Pixar movie in a while, and this is my first one jumping back in, and really hit me right in the feels. I love the concept of doing a family-oriented movie that has such a deep meaning and tackling just, you know, talks of death and life after and life before. It's really deep and you don't really get that nowadays in a lot of kids' media. And it's such a bold thing for them to tackle. Jamie Foxx, amazing. The animation, amazing. Cast, all great. Everything about this is just perfect. I can't recommend it enough. At my number two spot, I got Palm Springs. I'm surprised how much uh, nobody talks about this movie other than just regular movie people. Andy Samberg, Kristen Maletti, they're great. It's basically like a time loop movie, but with two people stuck in it. I don't want to give any more away. It was my second favorite movie of the year. I just had a whole lot of fun with this one. If you, if you like something like Groundhog's Day or Happy Death Day, you're going to love this. Definitely go check it out whenever you got a chance. It's on Hulu. And my number one favorite movie of the year would have to be The Trial of Chicago 7. Man, Aaron Sorkin is just great at what he does, love his movies, and dang, they really knocked it out of the park this time. I was not expecting this good of a movie from a Netflix original, but it's, you know, it really just worked. Great cast, amazing performances all across the board, such a huge cast, and like I said, just great performances, able to balance them all in, which is pretty nice. It's actually kind of crazy how a lot of the stuff that matter back then it still carries on today, and that's what this movie works great on. But yeah, those are my top five movies of the year, and I'm hoping to see plenty of more in 2021. Hi everyone, I'm Alice, the Australian Sift Pop writer, coming to you to talk to you about my top five films of 2020. Uh, so far, you know, there's still a couple films I want to watch from last year, however, 
these are definitely the ones that I feel like are going to stay their course. I'm going to start at number five and work my way up. So coming in at number five is Onward, the Pixar film from earlier this year. I managed to catch it right before we hit lockdown and I have to say I loved every minute of it. I'm a huge fantasy nerd, you know, anything D&D, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, anything with dragons and magic, I'm already there and this also managed to pair with that. A great story about family and you know not looking for something that you already have and you don't notice it and then obviously there's just some really fun antics and cool adventure along the way as well then coming in at number four is chris nolan's film tenet uh, which i managed to finally catch in november and like always he manages to blow me away with his mind really the fact that he was able to play with time in a way that he did in this movie I won't talk too much about it uh, because the best way to go into any of his films is knowing almost nothing and it was great it was thrilling it was interesting I was engaged the entire runtime and I have to say I'm excited to watch it again with subtitles because I reckon I missed about 40% of the dialogue as is the way with recent Nolan films, but definitely a good time. Coming in at number three, I've got Happiest Season, which is the Kristen Stewart, uh, Mackenzie Davis Christmas film that came out. And I, again, obviously with all these films, I really loved it. Um, I didn't know what to expect going in, but I can honestly say I haven't cried as that hard in a very, very long time. Um, at any film and it was just so emotional and yet it was still heartwarming and it was funny and everything you'd want in a Christmas movie while also looking at this interesting sort of LGBT theme that we don't often see in these type of movies but it wasn't you know just about that it was just about people and family and Christmas um, and I'm can definitely see adding this to my annual Christmas movie watching list every year. Next, we have a movie that I actually saw uh, today coming in at number two, which is Pixar's newest film, Soul. And I have to say, I did take the time to consider my recency bias and, you know, everything when I was ranking it, but it really hit me. Peter Doctor has got my number. The way that he's able to create these stories of such existential exploration while also pairing it with some of the most amazing animation I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, there are some elements in this film that look like they could be photographs, but not even, just the care and the detail paired with this story that had me engaged. It had me thinking about what it means to be human, about what it means to live, and what it means to, you know, really think about why you should be happy to just be living which is I think a really great message to be delivering nowadays um, so it really captured me in its beauty I will say for example there's a scene where uh, a character is playing you know music and it was for a long time and they managed to animate the progression of sweat on his on his um forehead and it was with the light catching it and the smoky scene it was in oh my goodness I just I can't and Pixar well done that's all I can say uh and then finally coming in at number one is Palm Springs which is the Andy Samberg Christian uh, Milani uh Groundhog Day rom-com that came out earlier this year and I'm so glad that I decided to watch it one day it 
was just so much more than I could have thought. You know, if you want to just go in and watch a fun romantic comedy that has this fun, you know, Groundhog Day trope that's been used a few times, you've got that. But if you wanted something more, something that you can pick up different themes, different storytelling elements, uh, different emotional beats every single time, you've got that as well. I have to say the chemistry between the two leads is magnetic. It is... I've... They should never work with anyone else. I mean, I was drawn to them as characters. I was drawn to this story. I laughed. I cried. The music is fantastic. The writing is interesting. And it's definitely a film I can see myself revisiting over and over again and coming away with something new every single time. And so that's my top five of the year. So to sum up, I've got Palm Springs at number one, Soul at number two, Happiest Season at number three, Tenet at number four, and Onward at number five. It's been a bit of a year and I'm really hoping 2021 is better. But until then, have a lovely day, everyone, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Hey, everyone. It's Austin Belzer. My top five of 2020 is rather complicated. A lot of these movies I've seen haven't been released yet, so I'm going to skip over the movies that have not been released yet that I've seen. Just to avoid any confusion, like I can't, I'm not going to talk about the father nine days, uh, anything like that, because the father hasn't been released yet. Apparently, I didn't know that, but I saw that at AFI Fest. But I will include, hey, this is what it would have been if it was had been released. That aside, here are my top five of 2020. Number one is Wolf Walkers. Wolf Walkers is the kind of animated film. That makes you feel like a kid again. I've seen a lot of Pixar movies that made me feel like a kid. And just the exuberance that is in this film is unparalleled. There's a sequence with a song by Aurora that is just mind-blowing. I mean, I've seen Soul. Soul is good. Soul is not on this list. Spoilers, I guess. Uh, But Wolf Walkers is on another level. There's just... It is the definition of what I call a masterpiece. Uh, There's nothing ever wrong with it. And I believe you can watch that on Apple TV Plus right now. My number two of the year is a documentary called You Cannot Kill David Arquette. It it slipped under the radar uh, this summer. But as the title might suggest, or if you don't know about this, This is about David Arquette's wrestling career, which I personally didn't know anything about. But David Arquette... Uh, has a wrestling career, and it treats that with the absurdity that you think it should. It's just trying to really dig deep into who David Arquette is, why he chose to start wrestling uh, after uh, the publicity stunt that originally started his wrestling career back in the early 2000s, back when he was a big actor. And honestly, it's just one of those feel-good documentaries that I think everyone should watch. So just go watch it. I think it's available for rent. It might be available on Hulu as I'm uh, recording this, but I'm not sure. Number three is a film released pre-quarantine, The Way Back. Um, This kind of also slipped under a few people's radar because it was coming out uh, pre-quarantine and people weren't really going to movie theaters, even though they weren't closed because we'd heard about stuff. I almost call The Way Back a documentary. It is about Ben Affleck's issues with sobriety and 
it really leans into it. And if you're not for that, I don't think this movie is going to be for you. But it it is worth it, I think, just to watch Ben Affleck personally process what he's been through to get to where he is now. Number four, yeah, number four is something I actually recently watched um, about a, mo- a week ago. It's on Netflix. It's called All Together Now. It's um, and if you're not familiar, it stars Ali Cruvallo. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. As many of you know, that is the girl from Moana. Uh, she played Moana, but she's also a very talented singer-songwriter. And this also leans into that. But it's not just that. It is a very harrowing story about what life is on the edges, what it means to grieve, what it means to lose constantly, what it means to just open up. And it is one of the best films of the year from a streaming service. I normally don't like streaming service films, but... I really enjoyed this. She's doing her best. And then my final film is Words on Bathroom Walls. Words on Bathroom Walls is uh, by Roadside Attractions. I I expect nothing when it comes to uh, teenage rom-coms, but this is more of a rom-drama, actually. This has uh, Austin Abrams as the lead, and I forget the main girl's uh, name, but really... It treats mental illness as this thing to just, okay, here's how people experience mental illness. And it does that with the cinematography. It does that with the story. It, and it treats it with a lot of care that I don't think a lot of movies have been doing in the past five years or so. And honestly, just if you are into that kind of movie, I think you should rent it. It's not great. But I liked it. And now I want to move on to some honorable mentions. Just real quick. Here are some films that have not been released yet. But would have made my top five. And I'll also include some things I would have put in there as well. One would have been The Father Over Wolfwalkers. Uh, Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman really steal this movie. The way it treats... Dementia and in very much the same vein of world, words on bathroom walls. Um, I think the father really takes care to say, "Hey, this is what people are with dementia are going through." When that comes out in February, I believe, check that out. I think it's getting theatrical and VOD. I'm not quite sure. And then another honorable mention would be Nine Days, uh, which won't be out till May now. So look out for that. Nine Days is kind of the adult version of Soul for anyone who's watched that film. It really digs deep into what makes a person a person, what makes somebody worth living, and what impact does that have on people who have lived. Anyways, those are my top five plus some honorable mentions of 2020. I hope you really enjoyed what I had to say. If not, there's always next year. I hear some good movies are coming out this year. With that, peace. Hey, how's it going? This is Chantel. I'm 33. I live on the West Coast and I am a avid movie lover. I am here to give you my top five movies of 2020 and why. First off, we're going to start with Hamilton. 
Even though it is not a new film, it is still a phenomenon and had me front and center to watch the OG cast take on the stage. It had me singing, laughing, and crying throughout. There was never a dull moment. I don't know how I never got tired of this movie. I I honestly watched it 10 times in the first weekend. No joke. The second movie we have here is going to be Soul, a beautifully made film. Definitely makes you think and showed you what the true meaning of what it was like to have a soul and never take the one you have for granted. Disney definitely hit it out of the park with this one. It was nice to see a black lead for a Disney movie and I would love to see it again. And it's definitely a all out family film. I agree that everyone should watch this at least once or twice. The next film on next is going to be The Invisible Man. The modernized update was scary, cool, and downright crazy. It kept me on the edge of my seat and wondering what the hell would happen next. The protagonist, C, played by the remarkable Elizabeth Moss, definitely showed us being terrified doesn't mean something has to be visible to do so. As for our next film, it is going to be The Devil All the Time. It was one of those movies where every story lineup lines up to just being one yes it was a bit all over the place but it was still a fun and dark ride me personally the standouts were tom holland and robert pattinson i believe they definitely carried this film on their backs and last but not least we have ma Rainey's black bottom two soul bearing performances by viola davis and the late and great chadwick boseman it wasn't much to this film, but there was enough to have you and have you glued in your seat and be mesmerized by the characters who carried the film. This is definite must see. So there you have it. Those are my top five films of 2020. I hope you all have a happy new year and see you soon. Hey, this is Dexter Hansen down in Houston, Texas, and here are my top five movies of 2020. Number five, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Just a couple things uh, that stick out to me are Aaron Sorkin's script. Always fantastic writing, though at times it does feel like he is uh, getting full of himself. But the standout performance, bar none, is Sasha Baron Cohen. He is phenomenal in the role, and he makes this uh, makes the cast stand out and dominates this film. Um, number four is Palm Springs, in a story that repeats the same day over and over again it felt like such a timely story for what we are all going through Andy Samberg heads up a phenomenal cast of J.K. Simmons and Kristen Milioti and they pull off such a phenomenal movie Number three is I Am Thinking of Ending Things. This movie is a head trip of itself. It is surrealism mixed with magical realism at its finest. I 
cannot recommend this enough. Headed up by Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons, who knock their roles out of the park. Number two is Pixar's Soul. Watching this movie just hit me in the the feels. I did not know where it was going at all. And for me, that is typically something that is very easy to do. But at the first plot turn, I I was taken back and it completely grabbed me. The score by uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross is mesmerizing and it elevates the movie to a masterpiece. The voice acting is superb. Tina Fey and Jamie Foxx head up this cast and they seep in to you. You don't you know who they are, but they don't their their names don't stand out. You do not think of them. The entire time watching the movie, it was why was involved in the characters and in the story. And with an an animated movie, that is so important. And number one is Tenant. Christopher Nolan movies always touch my heart and my brain and it's like he has a direct line to what I want a movie to be. The way he plays with time, the way he plays with your expectations, and the fact that he trusts the audience to understand and to pay attention. He does not consistently hammer you over the head with repeated dialogue to make sure you are caught up. He says it once, and it it sticks. That's what it is. And the way Tenet ebbs and flows, just, you need to see this movie. You need to see it. Thank you. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Evan Luckin, and I am going to tell you my top five films in no particular order. First, Palm Springs. I loved this movie. The creativeness, the freshness that they brought to a concept that's been done so often is unreal. The cast is hilarious, and the story is inspired. I really think that if you watch the first 13 minutes and you don't watch the rest of the film, I don't know what you're doing. It's going to catch you by surprise and hold you tight. Second on my list is an American Pickle, which is a weird movie for a weird year. This movie is great because it stars Seth Rogen playing both Herschel and Ben, basically relatives from like a, a decade, not a decade, a freaking century apart. And it's about a pickle farmer. It's about family. It's about just a lot of cool, fun things. It's really hard to explain. Just watch the movie. It's good. It's an hour and a half. It's very quirky and infused with a bunch of charm. Third on my list, I don't know if this technically counts because it is a stage performance that was filmed, but they did film it with the intention of this production. So uh, Hamilton, Hamilton on Disney Plus, it was really good. I have not seen Hamilton. I tried to listen to the music without context. It didn't drive with me. This entire thing done 
it was awesome. I'm glad I finally got to understand why everyone is hyped about it. It does deserve the hype. Next up is The Trial of the Chicago 7. This movie set in 1968 about the trials and what was all going on with the protests, written by and directed by Aaron Sorkin, is fantastic. The entire cast, from Sasha Vera Cohen, Eddie Redmayne, just to name a few, all of them bring amazing performances. It's excellently written. I thought it was directed well. Uh, I think it's an important film, especially with all what was going on in 2020 and what should continue to go on going forward. So yeah, this movie, also really great. These are our top five, and I'm really digging all of the ones that I'm saying, so check them all out. All right, the last of my top five of this year is going to be Soul, which I saw on Christmas, and holy crap, did that hit me in the feels. Obviously, there's some recency bias, because it is one of the most recent films that I saw, and hey, this is Pixar at its best. This is Pixar going full tilt for being conceptual and being really interesting while also being incredibly approachable on a concept that, uh, you know, you could take an entire college course on. So this movie is amazing. It hit me and my wife in completely different ways. And I think that we'll be talking about that on and off for a good long time. And since it looks like I have about two minutes left, I am going to also mention two films. One's a surprise in a good way. One's a surprise in a bad way. Surprise in a bad way was Tenet. I am a huge Christopher Nolan fanboy, and I got to tell you, it is the least enjoyable of the films that he has made, in my opinion. I do think that it is a technical marvel in the fact that he figured out how to tell a story in such a weirdly nonlinear, linear, reverse linear way. Uh, that said, it was devoid of emotion. I was kind of shocked at just how flat I came out of that film when I actually thought about the story. There was a lot of cool stuff, but without a story that had me gripping onto a character... I was kind of disappointed, so uh, let's hope that Christopher Nolan maybe takes a step back and, you know, Tenet just didn't deliver, and I think that with what was going on with the cinemas, maybe it was worth the waiting a while. And with that downer, I'm going to end with a happy surprise of Sonic the Hedgehog. That's right, I reviewed this movie on Sift Pop, and I still really like it. I think that it was really fun. I think that they did Sonic the Hedgehog pretty darn cool. We have a, another video game movie that actually delivers and makes it fun, rather than just making us wish that we would stop visiting the, these franchises. I actually want a sequel. So, anyways... If you haven't seen Sonic the Hedgehog, it's fun, it's cool, it's it's totally worth the time. And so yeah, I hope that everyone had a great 2020, and I hope that 2021 is way better, and, well, you know, as, as much as they could have a good 2020, because it kind of sucked. Bye. Frank Kemp here, the sometimes contributor to Sipop. Here's my top five movies of 2020. And let's face it, I can't even believe I was able to come up with five movies for this list. And in order to save time, because I know there's going to be a lot of us telling you about our movies, I'm going to just do a nice, short, sweet, and to the point, and in no particular order, onward. 
Star-Lord and Spider-Man deal with dead daddy issues. It's a Pixar movie, so everyone knows what it's about. The Hunt, the movie that politics really had nothing to do with it, but people tried to make it political. But at the end of the day, it's just a really good old-fashioned, most dangerous game-type story. Palm Springs, you can watch it on Hulu, is a time loop movie that finds a way to make me not roll my eyes at it being a Groundhog Day ripoff. Next up on the list is Fat Man. You have Mel Gibson playing Santa with a shady past just trying to survive a hitman that's coming to kill him because he gave a kid coal. Redacted, because, you know, Frank. And finally, Hamilton. Redacted. Well, that about does it for probably the last time I will ever be asked to be on here. The only thing I could say is I discovered a movie that's from 2014 that I strongly recommend. And yeah, it is six or seven years old at this point. It has become my favorite movie to watch this year. And it's called The One I Love. You can find it on Netflix. It stars Mark Duplass and Elizabeth Olsen. And when you have a lisp, that was a really hard thing to try to say, but I'm sure it's still messed up, but I'm going to keep it anyway because it's part of my personality and that's who I am. But yeah, don't look anything up on the movie, the one I love. Just watch it on Netflix. It is fantastic. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy everyone else's picks. Jake here with my list of the favorite movies I saw released in 2020. At number five, we're starting off the list with a heavy-hitting Oscar contender, The Trial of the Chicago Seven. The film, which follows the titular trial of seven people charged in connection with unrest surrounding the 1968 Democratic National Convention, is written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, and the dialogue predictably sings. The film has a stacked cast, and it'll be interesting to see where the recognition goes come award season, with my favorite performances being that of Yahya Abdul-Mateen II and Mark Rylance. At number four, we've got a film that technically lists its release date as 2019, but I can't find any really listed release date outside of 2020, so the gentleman takes mice. The number four slot is the only release I actually saw in theaters to make my list. Director Guy Ritchie is hit or miss for me, but when he hits, I generally have a blast, and that's true here. All of his actors are having a ball, particularly Hugh Grant, acting as their unreliable narrator sorts, through this story told out of order. Matthew McConaughey's American pot dealer looking to sell his empire is certainly chewing plenty of scenery here as well. At number three, I have David Fincher's Passion Project about the story behind the writing of Citizen Kane, Mank. I was drawn in by the look of this movie and its performances. Not to mention I'm certainly interested any time David Fincher releases a new film. The film looks gorgeous and puts you right in the golden age of Hollywood. As someone who still has Citizen Kane on their list of shame, it's a film that's permeated enough of pop culture for me that I felt, think the film is still worth firing up whether you've seen the classic or not, if you're a film fan. Death, Taxes, 
an animated movie being near the top of my favorites of the year. Some things don't change, regardless of how topsy-turvy 2020 might have been, and this is where Pixar's soul comes in at number two. With Inside Out being in the conversation for my favorite Pixar flick, to say I was excited about this one would be puddling it mildly. It did not disappoint. It's got great character work, amazing music, stunning visuals, and buckets of emotions. This was by far my favorite offering of the famed animation studio this year. My only qualm in the, is the ending, which feels like a cop-out and left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth, and the door open for our number one film. That slot goes to Hulu's Palm Spring. Not being a Hulu subscriber until later in the year, I had long known the twist in the conceit of this movie before I sat down to watch the film myself. I won't spoil it to you if you haven't, but needless to say, no movie is more fitting for the year we have just sat through than this one. This film has heart and cleverness in spades, propelled by fantastic performances by Kristen Milioti and Andy Samberg, with a dash of the always welcome J.K. Simmons. I sincerely hope this one isn't forgotten come award season. Couple quick notes. If the final four episodes of Clone Wars, which feels like a movie, were offered as on Disney Plus as such, it would have been my number one with a bullet. Also wanted to give a quick shout out to the movies that barely missed my cut, Emma, Tiger Tail, and my quarantine binge, Phineas and Ferb's Candace Against the Universe. This year has been a weird for movie fans, highlighted by the fact that my favorite comic book movie was The New Mutants, and the last movie I saw in theaters was the Vin Diesel masterpiece, Bloodshot. Used to filling up our popcorn buckets to our heart's delights sometime soon in 2021. Hi everyone, this is Joe from Sifoff's Writer's Room to tell you about my top five movies of 2020. For me, I will have to bend the rules a bit, but I mostly focused on shows and anime this year. For uh, my number five pick, I went with The Wilds. Solid writing and well-written characters uh, caught me off guard of how good it actually turned out. Uh, at number four, I got Promise Neverland, which is a thriller anime at heart and uh, fills the room with tension and protagonists you can get behind. Uh, at number three, I have Demon Slayer. Beautiful and propelled by a colorful cast of characters and a, a fantastic familial bond. At uh, number two, I have The Haunting of Bly Manor. Plays a long game and doesn't mind taking it slow when developing plot and characters. A tearjerker for me. And at number one, of course for me, uh, The Mandalorian. I hold the first season in high regard, but the second season delivered in larger ways than its predecessor. Restoring old lore, introducing new characters from other media, and delivering emotional moments all throughout. Din and Grogu's relationship was only more heartwarming this season. Din truly assumed that father uh, caretaker role so well. Uh, so this is my uh, top five shows uh, of 2020. Um, sorry, I had to slightly bend the rules for this one. Didn't watch a whole lot of movies this year. Um, I would just like to say... Goodbye to all of us at the writer's room, and uh, Happy New Year. Bye.
Hey guys, this is Sif Pop writer Joseph here with my top five 2020 movies that I watched this year. Now I'll admit my top five is going to be a lot different than I think the rest of them are going to be because I don't have all the streaming services most of the rest have, but also because between the pandemic and the fact that I've been working on my master's degree, I just have not had the time to devote to watching a lot of uh, newer movies coming out. Uh, but without further ado, I'll start out my uh, top five with my number five movie, which is Greyhound. Uh, war movies, especially War II movies, tend to be kind of my jam. And this one was a pretty solid movie. I do kind of wish that they had gone more into the idea of the captain not being sure if he thought he was making the right decisions or not. But overall, I thought it was just a solid movie. Uh, number four would be Uncle Frank. Now, this movie just hit me in the right way, to be completely honest. Normally, I might not put it in my top five, but it just hit me at the right time in the right way for it to just give it something to me. Uh, my number three movie is uh, Wolf Walkers. And man, this movie, it, it felt like it was coming out of the page of a book that I would read when I was a child. It just has a great story. The artistic style brings me back to when I was a kid. Just everything about it just hits right for me. Um, my number two movie would be Soul. And kind of almost for the same thing as Wolf Walkers because the fact that it just, the animation just kind of hits you. Especially with the amount of detail they put into the animation to make it feel almost lifelike as they play the instruments. Stalled story again, but that animation just puts it over the edge for me. And my uh, number one movie is Tenet. All I can say about this movie is just, whoa. I can't describe it any other way. I need to watch it backwards and forwards again. If you haven't seen it, you absolutely should go out there and see it. But uh, yeah, that is going to be my uh, top five movies of 2020 planning on getting more streaming services and trying to watch more uh, new coming movies in 2021. So that way my list is a little bit more uh, broad, I guess would be the way to put it. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, my Twitter handle is at Joseph Cashin Davis. It's Joseph C-S-H-N Davis. And my letterbox is JCDavis314. I hope everyone has a wonderful 2021. Please stay safe and wear a mask. Hey, Writer's Room. My name is Caleb Walters. I'm a contributor for Sif Pop, and here's my top five movies that came out this year. At number five, I've got Sound of Metal. Um, just watched it recently. It dropped on Amazon Prime kind of recently, um, but this one was super good. Um, it's about a metal drummer who starts losing his hearing. Uh, Riz Ahmed plays the drummer, and he's amazing as the main character. Uh, I don't think he's ever turned in a bad performance, and this is one of his best. Um, and then Olivia Cook uh, also gives a, a guest role in this, and I think she's amazing in everything. I think she's going to get a lot bigger in the years to come, but uh, she's really good in this as well. But they use a lot of cool sound techniques as well to kind of show how his hearing is leaving, which I just thought was really cool and really well done. At number four, I've got Invisible Man. This dropped early in 2020, if I'm not mistaken. And I thought this brought a really cool, fun spin to like the scary movie genre. It brought a fun new idea, new twist to the original story. 
Um, I just thought uh, it kept you on your seat pretty well. None of the scenes felt wasted or like they were corny, which was just really well done because I think that happens a lot in scary movies. Uh, It ends up feeling corny at some point. This one, I don't think it ever did. Uh, So that was just really good. And Elizabeth Moss is just phenomenal. And number three, I've got Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And this all takes place in a 1920s music recording session. They're trying to get songs recorded. It's a band. Chadwick Boseman, this is his last performance on screen. He plays a trumpet player in the band, and he is so good in this movie. I can't even fully explain how good he was. I hope he gets the Oscar. I think he deserves it. Um, And it just makes you even sadder, though, uh, to think about the roles that he could have played had he lived because uh man he is good in this and it's so different from his black panther character it's just so impressive and then viola davis plays uh, ma rainey uh in it as well and she is obviously just phenomenal i mean it's like you're looking at a different person watching a different person which is the whole point but she does it so well um yeah i would really recommend it it's so crucial and vital to what's going on in the world right now um it's super deep and it's just really great really well done by everybody involved number two i've got soul uh the latest pixar movie um the biggest thing i can say about this is the last act of this movie is so good um it just blew me away at how well they tied up the idea how um just deep and how deep it got how much thought it made you I mean how thought-provoking it was was just so well done and I was reading that Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey they just have such great chemistry in this movie and they talked about how they got to kind of improv together when they were shooting it and you can tell I mean they are so good in this together they're funny but um, there's so much heart in this movie and you can just tell on the screen you can just hear it in their voices and it's just so well done and the animation is just amazing and then number one my favorite movie of 2020 was Palm Springs. Uh, Kristen Milioti is really good in this. J.K. Simmons gives a phenomenal supporting turn. I mean, he's amazing in everything, but he was really good in this. He just about stole every scene that he was in. And then Andy Samberg, I really hope that his acting doesn't go underappreciated in this movie this year because I think this is the best performance today. I think he got to show a lot of emotional depth that he doesn't necessarily get to show all the time in some of his other roles. And honestly, he's still hilarious in this as well. Um, but this movie put a fun spin on the rom-com genre and it put a fun spin on like the time traveling kind of genre as well. So I just thought this movie was super well done. Uh, just a super good movie all around. I recommend it to everybody. But yep, that is my favorite movie of 2020 and those are my top five. Hello, my name is Nashua Dahl, and I'm one of the newer writers to the Sif Pop family. As I came in uh, roughly mid-year in 2020, I also believe I'm probably one of the youngest writers, and so I have a lot of catching up to do when it comes to the movies I need to watch, but I tried my hardest to see um, as many movies as I can, kind of in preparation for building an end-of-the-year list. Um, So without further ado, my favorite movies of 2020 in descending order, starting with number five, is appropriately to Five Bloods. Um, I think Spike Lee is in another one of his career grooves where every single one of his movies is fantastic, where he's hitting it out of the park. It's a very powerful movie. It's a very nuanced portrayal of black veterans and specifically Vietnam War veterans. Um, It's told in a really interesting way, though. And I think it's really clever. I think it's really funny in moments. And it's deeply moving. Specifically, Delroy Lindo gives one of the strongest supporting performances 
of all of 2020. He absolutely should win the Oscar, in my personal opinion, um, or at the very least be nominated. Um, my fourth favorite movie of the year is Unpregnant. It's a movie I didn't hear a ton about, and I feel like it kind of flew in a little bit under the radar, but it absolutely blew me away. It's a road movie, um, and I love road movies. They're always fun, um, but this one was felt a little elevated because the chemistry between the two leads is fantastic. It's incredibly funny. I found myself laughing through most of the film, but it's also tackling a really important topic that I think can be difficult to portray in a way that doesn't come across as overly preachy. Um, it delivers it in a really straightforward and honest way without telling you what your opinion on the topic should be, and I really appreciated that. My third favorite movie of the year is Palm Springs. I love anything Andy Samberg does, but I think this might be his best performance to date. It's still incredibly funny, but it's also a really nuanced and pained performance, which surprised me. Again, the chemistry between Samberg, Miliati, off the charts. It's also incredibly funny, but also clever, and it reworks that whole Groundhog Day idea in a really great and satisfying way where it doesn't leave you asking questions. It feels pretty, it just feels satisfying. Um, my fourth, or sorry, my second favorite movie of the year was Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, unfortunately, this was Chadwick Boseman's final performance, but it also, I believe, was his best performance in a career of really great ones. Um, Viola Davis is also at her best, and there's only a few performances that could potentially rival this one in my mind. Um, the story is incredibly powerful. It's not a story that I had ever heard before. I don't feel like it's a story that a lot of people have heard before, but I think that this depiction will get people understanding the time period, the music. I think it's a it's a really important movie for everybody to watch. My And then my favorite movie of the year, bar none, I've already seen it four times since it's come out, was Pixar's Soul. And the, the funny realization I kind of came to is that this movie's message is pretty similar to that of Cars, but it's delivered so much better. Um, it's actually a relatively simple story, uh, a relatively simple concept in the message that it's trying to deliver, but it's told in a really profound way that is still understandable to all audiences. Everybody could watch this movie and take something away from it. Um, the animation is, again, top-notch. I, I believe that Pixar is the best at what they do. They're only going to get better. But this, I was blown away at some sequences in Seoul. And I also loved that this was another movie that showed the black experience in a very strong way. And it was, a, it was a character in the movie, and I absolutely loved that, and I really hope that this is the direction that Pixar moves towards um, in their future films. Hey, this is Sif Pop writer Robert Buffard here with my top five movies of 2020. Uh, like most people, I didn't get to see everything I wanted this year uh, due to the pandemic, and I only really recently started catching up um, on the things that I missed. 
I tend to keep track of my rankings yearly on Letterboxd as I go. So like every time I watch a movie, I'll just log it right away and put it on the list wherever I have it land. So in 2019, I had a grand total of 94 films, which is a personal all-time high for a single year, and I was really happy with that. Um, and I was I was ready to see even more in 2020, but obviously uh, the pandemic happened and, and I wasn't able to nearly meet my goal because on my 2020 list, I only have 46 total movies. In, tw- in 2019, there were a lot of movies that really stuck out um, and that I wanted to stuff onto my favorite list, uh, my favorites list for the year. Like, I really love them and I wanted to make room for them because I, f- I just felt like a top five movie, but I just couldn't because there were so many good movies uh, last year. But unfortunately, this year, there were only a few that I felt that way about. Um, and that has a lot to do uh, with just the amount that I was able to see not being that high, I'm sure. Um, maybe it was a lesser year overall, especially with things being pushed back. Um, but that being said, there are some movies I've seen on a lot of best of lists for 2020 that I just wasn't able to see again, uh, either because I wasn't able to get around to them or because they haven't been available to watch uh like on PVOD or just in local theaters. A few that I missed that I thought I had a chance of making my top five were The Five Bloods, Pieces of a Woman, Ammonite, Steve McQueen's Small Axe Movies, uh, Another Round, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, and Minari. But with all that out of the way, here are my official top five. Number five, I have Wolf Walkers, which is a great animated movie on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, I love this sort of fantasy story. It's set in the real world um, in like the the 18th century, I think, around that time. But there's a type of magic that is easily digestible and immediately draws you in, me at least. Um, It's a story about being yourself set in a beautiful world of hand-drawn animation. Number four is The Trial of Chicago 7. This was my favorite movie of the year for a good while until I saw the three that are going to precede it on this list. It's Sorkin sorkining all over the place with his screenplay and uh it's him creating a kinetic movie about speaking up for what's right and the power of your voice with his underrated direction number three is the sound of metal it, it's the perfect kind of movie to help you understand someone else's situation that's almost impossible to understand in any other way riz ahmed gives an incredible lead performance as a heavy metal drummer who loses his hearing uh, it's a claustrophobic movie where you'll, where you'll learn a lot, but feel even more. Uh, number two, uh, Shithouse. This movie gave me Richard Linklater vibes in all of the best way- ways. It's a coming-of-age romantic dramedy about a college-aged guy learning to grow up and live on his own. It was maybe clunky at times because of the first-time director, writer, and star Cooper Rafe's inexperience, but that just gives the movie an even more unique and special feel. Uh, I think it like gave it a little bit more personality. I love this movie, and it's one of the, uh, one of just a few from this year that I'll be buying on Blu-ray and going back to over and over in the future. And number one, my favorite movie of the year is Pixar's Soul. I was honestly pretty surprised at how much I loved it. It's Pixar being just about the best it can be, from the incredible score from Reznor and Ross, to the always great animation, to the voice acting from Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey, to the amazing comedy, and of course, the perfect message. This is one of my favorite Pixar movies, and easily the best movie I saw this year. So there you have it, my top five. Hello everyone, my name is Shane Kanto, and I'm a staff writer at Sif Pop. 
I also have my own YouTube channel, The Wasteland Reviewer, and you should totally go check it out. Shameless plugs. But I'm here to talk about my top five films from 2020. And I'm going to start off with my number five, which is Bad Education. And this is a film from HBO starring Hugh Jackman. And it's darkly funny. It has plenty of twists throughout the plot. And honestly, one of the strongest performances I've seen from Hugh Jackman in this role that has tons of layers and is filled with plenty of surprises. So definitely something to go check out on HBO. My number four film of 2020 is an animated film from all of our friends at Ardman from Netflix, a Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon. So I do have a soft spot for films like Paddington and Shaun the Sheep that are just purely just so much fun, endearing, and have plenty of laughs and have plenty of heart. Shaun the Sheep movie was such a fantastic little film, and now you throw in some aliens. And having those sci-fi homages and still bringing the charm and the humor of what most films from Ardman carry, a Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, is definitely something to check out on Netflix. My number three, shaking things up a little bit, is a very raw, very emotional, and really moving film called Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, which is about a young woman who is pregnant and has to make the journey with her cousin from Pennsylvania to New York City so that she can get an abortion. And this is the kind of film that is small, intimate, and has wonderful performances and is something that doesn't really rely upon exposition. You're dropped into this young woman's world and you're along the ride throughout every bump and every powerfully emotional moment, all the way leading up to her appointment, which is one of the most tragic and emotional scenes that you'll see in cinema in 2020. My number two is a Danish film from director Thomas Vinterberg. And this is a follow-up to his work with Maz Mikkelsen, The Hunt. And this time around, Another Round is a film that focuses on four teachers who believe that being a little bit tipsy will make all their lives better. And Mads Mikkelsen proves why he's one of the best actors in the world right now and gives an amazing performance. This film has its humor, has its emotion, and has some really moving moments and honestly one of the most cathartic finales of a film that I've watched all year and in recent memory. Definitely one to go check out. And now my number one from Apple TV Plus and Cartoon Saloon, Wolf Walkers. I've been a huge fan of their work, whether it's Song of the Sea, Secret of Kells, or The Breadwinner. And this is a strikingly, absolutely beautiful animated film that has great vocal performances, a wonderful plot where it has deep layers in terms of religion and faith and mysticism and is intense and engaging and fun. 
It hits all those check boxes while giving you an, one of the most amazing animated splendors I've seen in a long time. But those are my top five films of 2020. And I hope you tune in and listen to all of the top 20, uh, top five lists for all of us here at Sif Pop for 2020. And thank you as always for supporting us. Hi, I'm Vincent Mabatacola and I'm a writer for Sif Pop. I'm going, I'm going to jump right into my top five favorite movies of 2020, starting with my number five pick, which is One Night in Miami. Regina King provides one of the best directorial debuts this year with a drama that mostly takes place on one night and focuses on a thought-provoking meeting between four African-American icons. All four leads give stellar work and let each other have their moment to shine as they all share the screen to bring us a glimpse into the American civil rights movement. My number four pick is Mank. After not having a David Fincher movie for six years, with his most recent being Gone Girl, I have to say this movie was definitely worth the wait. Gary Oldman is dynamite as Herman J. Mankiewicz, the screenwriter of Citizen Kane, and Amanda Seyfried gives one of her best performances in a supporting role as film actress Marion Davies. Fincher does all that he can to bring the golden age of Hollywood to life, and it's a tremendous success. My number three pick is First Cow. Kelly Riker is a director who knows how to make the most out of a minimalist approach, and it isn't any different in her latest film, which details the story of two young men who become friends in 19th century frontier life and try to, and try to make a living. The heartfelt performances from John McGarrow and Orion Lee invest you in the friendship of their characters and, de- and, and the details that are shown for this, uh, to bring this time period to, uh, to life is magnificent. My, no- my number two pick is Soul, which is the latest movie from Pixar. Much like Inside Out, this movie deals with complex topics. In this case, the topic is life and death. Despite the tricky subject matter, directors Pete Docter and Kemp Powers are able to strike a fine balance between lightheartedness and misty-eyed emotion, creating a movie that you can't help but think that only Pixar could have pulled off. And finally, my number one pick for the year is The Five Bloods, a war drama from Spike Lee. This is a stunning movie that focuses on a group of African-American veterans who served in the Vietnam War, placing them in a story that's all that's all about them reconnecting with the chap- with that chapter of their lives. The connection between the main characters is powerful to watch. The story is spra- is sprawling is a sprawling view of their past and present and Lee stages what may be the most nerve-wracking scene in any movie of 2020. For those, for those of you who have seen the movie, you know the scene I'm talking about. So, those are my top 5 movies of the year. I'll close this out by wishing you all a happy new year and may 20 and may 2021 be full of promise. Thank you. Well, there you have it, and uh, maybe you have a writer that you really ad- agree with, and maybe you have a writer that you really disagree with. Either way, we would love to hear your feedback. I'm sure our writers would love to hear uh, their your comments on their list. Uh, you can also follow most of them on Letterboxd or on Twitter. Uh, some of them have Instagrams, so be sure to, to check out those. You can uh, email me at writersroomatsifpop.com, and I'll get you in contact with them. Or find me on Twitter at schweitcastle, S-C-H, White Castle, like the glorious restaurant that Harold and Kumar go to. Uh, but... Uh, you know, in the meantime, a uh, quick reminder that Sip Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. If you're interested in writing for SifPop.com or you want to get, get in contact with us, maybe send us a question to explore during the B-plot, then email us at writersroom at SifPop.com or you can DM me on Twitter at Schweitcastle.
And if you want to support the show, help out with some costs that we pay for out of pocket, such as fees, equipments, and rentals, you can Venmo me at Castle, or you can DM me on Twitter, and I'll give you a PayPal address uh, to send some stuff to. Uh, but please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes if you're listening via Apple Podcasts. It helps out the show more than you will ever know. And thank you so much for checking out this episode. Um, I, I hope you enjoyed the new intro. I'll be adding some music to that in the future. I just have uh, some friends that are making some music for me that's just a little behind. But I wanted to kick off the new year with a new uh, intro that I am particularly proud of. So um, that's it. I hope you guys have a great week. Be sure to come back next week where I will be talking about uh, the Batman movies uh, pre-Christopher Nolan with the Super Pop writer here. And uh, in a month, we're back to nostalgia on the first week of the month. And I will have uh, Austin, who you heard earlier today, and producer Phil uh, talking about the Mighty Ducks trilogy. So we'll see you back next week. We'll see you back in a month. But in the meantime, I got to get back to the writer's room.